You are listening to W. M. U. A. Amherst. Hello and welcome to the Free Associates. That's right, folks, the Free Associates, Freedom of Association, freedom to associate with anybody, anything that comes our way, or Free Associate. To just be in a rainy day mood, just be looking out and be like, wow, this weather reminds me of depression, feeling bad. Oh, my God, could it end? Could it possibly end? I don't know. Now, Waylon didn't notice anything different about me today, but that's because he just doesn't pay attention. He's not wearing the jacket. That's not the only thing, but that's one of the things. That's good that you finally noticed that. I had to make an executive choice. Do I go back into my house and go up into the second floor where quiet time is supposed to be happening and get ensnared in my four-year-old's, is quiet time over kind of thing? I couldn't kick the hornet's nest. So yes, Waylon, I didn't dress up, you know, so, and you can't say anything about that because boom, I have you hypnotized. You are now hypnotized, and you will be polite to me because I am your elder, and I am very knowledgeable. Good. Waylon is successfully hypnotized. Now, uh, that's not the only thing It's different. I don't have my microphone in front of me. But you know what? Wow. I'm just, yeah, well, you didn't notice that, didn't you? No, I didn't. No, it's all right. But the, it might even be better audio than that Yeti blue microphone <laughs> as it should happen. Now, Waylon likes to blow up my scene, so I'm going to blow up his scene and do a little... Boom. Oh. Wow. That's wow. it. Look at that. There it is. <laughs> Look it at is. that. Now, I successfully, I successfully guess, right? I'm right, right? I'm not that's telling your, you yet. You know, you know. <laughs> that's, that's your screaming fellow. I don't know if you guys were with us that, yesterday. That is amazing, though. I haven't Isn't seen an, a mock-up of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you just admitted as much that you that you're doing a screaming yellow. Hey, look, it makes all the sense in the world because orange and yellow, like you're going to have these cars parked next to each other. So you want it to be like a sunset, right? It's going to be like a sunset in your driveway. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. The the sunset never the sun never sets on the Wayland Empire. That's it. Now you need a brown one or a blue one or something like that. Yeah, you'll get them. You'll get them. Um, so Wayland's, you know, it's, you, people are going to be confused in the valley because they're used to seeing Wayland's orange van, and now they're going to see Wayland in a yellow van, and, and but without windows. Do you want to tell them about your car wash debacle? Oh man, I mean, I, I got to say this: I, I was, yeah. I was essentially caught violating the rules. Okay, like I, I want to put that out there first, but Kinda. the rules of the car wash are that you have one pass for one car. My pass, I had, a, I had a new windshield put in, so I had the pass and it wasn't stuck onto the, the windshield. So I had it. So I was like, mm, whatever. I have two vans and I was interchanging them through each one of the things, each one of the vans. And so I went and the, one of the guys was like, hmm, did you get this painted? And I was like, no, I have two vans now. And I told him the entire story and he kind of just sat there and like nodded like this. I go through. Next time I go around, he terminated my, 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 my pass. So wrong. See, so this is, wrong. yeah. Well, this, okay. So, this is the thing. You know, like, I flirt with the rules in every situation. I mean, we're not, we're not on campus, so I can't, I can't park illegally. So, I had to do this, but 
it was like, come on, man. Like, you can't just be like, hey, listen, you can't do that. Here's yeah, a yeah. warning type thing. So, um, well, you were honest with him. It wasn't, yeah, like I, I didn't lie to honest. him. I was just like, yeah, I got two vans now. It's awesome. He just kind of like, know. Mm-hmm. I think there's some van envy going on there or something like that. Which one did you go to, by the way, just out of curiosity? One in Hadley. There's one in Hadley, a golden nozzle? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. There is. That's right. All right. Anyway, we don't want to besmirch the reputation of anybody, but it does seem a little sour. Well, we're very psyched to see any day now. Boom, folks. That's right. And it does look good, man. I think you've done a great job choosing a color. You know, you were thinking purple, but that just doesn't feel right. I and love that. Like, I love that carpeting inside, too. I, I oh, don't have man. that carpeting, but man, look at that. And the kind of like orange velour seats and stuff like that. That's excellent. Yeah. You know? yeah it's like yeah. I want to go to the drive through and watch Crawl or something in that. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like that era was like there was a lot of sunset colors, you know, although that's almost like a 70s van, not an 80s van. But yeah. whatever. Yeah. They were a little behind the times. All right, folks. Well, you know, we've been doing our political series and we're actually scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I actually sent Waylon the text for this one. He's like, oh, we already did this one. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, sorry. So we're going to probably do one or two more of these political predictions. All these people who wrote these predictions are probably like, oh, I forgot I wrote that. Oh, my God. It's it's eight weeks later. (laughs) It seems really crazy. But we're doing it. We're going to look at it. And today we're looking at Michiko Kakatani. He's the author of a 2018 bestseller, The Death of Truth, and former chief book critic of the New York Times. Yeah, I think he's actually a very famous book critic. That name is, is like, he's the guy who can make or break a fiction writer. And it's the it's called, uh, excuse me, Revive Trust in Institutions. It, uh, he writes, the coronavirus paradigm, pandemic, one hopes, jolts, uh, will jolt Americans into a realization that the institutions and values Donald Trump has spent his presidency assailing are essential to the functioning of a democracy and to its ability to grapple effectively with a national crisis. A recognition that government institutions, including those entrusted with protecting our health, preserving our liberties, and overseeing our national security, need to be staffed with experts, not political lobbyists. That decisions need to be made through a reasoned policy process and predicated on evidence-based science and historical and geopolitical knowledge, not on Trumpian alternative facts, political expediency, or what Pynchon and Gravity's Rainbow called a chaos of peeves, whims, hallucinations, and all-around a holery. Instead of Trump's America first foreign policy, we need a multilateral diplomacy and to the understanding that cooperation with allies and adversaries, too, is especially necessary when it comes to dealing with global problems like climate change and viral pandemics. All right. And so perhaps that we can kind of, well, I'll read the rest of it. It's kind of a long piece, so I apologize. Most of all, we need to remember that public trust is crucial to governance and the truth, uh, trust depends on telling the truth. As the historian John M. Berry wrote in the 2004 book, The Great Influenza, a harrowing chronicle of the 1918 flu pandemic, which killed an estimated 80 million people worldwide. The main lesson from that catastrophe is that, quote, those in authority must retain the public's trust and, quote, the way to do that is to distort nothing, to put the best face on nothing, to try to manipulate no one. Okay, Waylon, so what do we have here? What are your thoughts? Um, I agree with the sentiments. I think that the unfortunate case is that people want to hear the truth that they want to hear. Mm -hmm. And we live in an age where the diversity of our our media outlets and the diversity of information distribution has made it so where we're stuck in bubbles that are validating whatever 
uh, preconceived notions that we have. And so the truth has really become uh, muddied in all of this. And so truth has really become subjective. And so I, I like the yearning for facts and data and all of this, but like you bring up a, um, a quote all the time about data manipulation and everything. And it's just, I, I can't, I, I, I 100% understand what he's saying. And I wish that we could gravitate towards some general consensus. And for the most part, I think the actions are speaking louder than words. I think that the, the, the outliers of the protests that we're seeing, that's not a huge population of individuals. For the most part, there's a wide, the individuals are adhering to staying inside and quarantining oh, yeah. and doing all of this. So that is, um, we're, we're, we're heeding the warnings of the scientific community and the health community, uh, which is good. Uh, but I, for a, the fundamental level of kind of trust in institutions and understanding of the of truth as the facts that are laid before us, I think that the, it gets a little subjective there. Absolutely. And you say it's truth is becoming subjective, but truth is always subjective, I think. I mean, your truth is not my truth. Uh, There's that great Robert Evans quote. There's three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth, and no one is lying. You know, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And I think that here's one of the things I've been thinking about, and I think scientists do this. First of all, science is not, there's only it's like lawn science that say science is real. And that's fine. So, you know, science is real, but like, depends who's funding the study you know, with data studies and stuff like that, you really have to look very closely because if you can do your study and then I'm going to pay somebody to do my study. And then we, now we have a problem because everything can be curated. Uh, it, I can make a study that says anything, even using real science, I can do that, uh, I believe. Um, yeah. Here's the other thing. I think that's what's been going on. And maybe this is a, as a product of polarization is that everyone's overshooting the truth. That is to say, a lot of people that there's, there's, I don't know if that, that phrase resonates with you, but like, listen, if I'm a climatologist and I really believe climate change is a major problem, um, my worry is that some of them are overshooting the truth because they're trying to change us from our behavior, right? It's almost like you do it with a kid. Like you, 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 you can't present just the reality because they'll be like, well, that's 50 or 100 years from now. Like, I'm not going to worry about that. You have to basically say, no, in five years, your house is going to be underwater. Like, there's this almost like fear tactic thing going on to try to wake people up out of their slumber. But that becomes, do you, do you get that sense at all? I feel yeah. like a lot of times, let me let me just put something out there. I felt like the union did that, the union and other people did that with the contract negotiations. Oh, yeah, it's like classic rhetoric. You know, yeah, classic rhetoric and kind of like so. This is a real problem, though, because when we when we rely on scientists, I think there are scientists who are activists. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, and I think some of the tactics are rhetoric, and some of the tactics are, as I would say, overshooting the truth to try to because everyone's overshooting the truth. And so, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, you have to watch out for the chicken little effect. I think that if you're if you um, exaggerate or you you go into kind of a hyperbolic you know rhetoric you're going to your people are going to to call you out on that or when when the next time comes they're going to say you said this last time and that's and so. exactly what i'm saying you know like well that's not exactly what i'm saying but i think it's a useful addition like you your credibility you can't use it up because it's a boy who cried wolf kind of situation not exactly but like you say if if 
because people were talking about 2 million people in America dying, you know, it's like, well, that's not going to happen, you know, at least not on, on this round. Um, I think it's just very hard to feel like anyone's really credible right now. I just do not find credible sources. So, yeah, I don't well, yeah. necessarily believe in a, in a return to institution. I think that the institutions themselves have kind of bankrupted themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on the, the idea that it's it's not necessarily credible. The thing that I agree with here is I would tweak that a little bit. It's not necessarily non-credible sources or things that you can't trust. It's just that we have so little information on how things, things are going to unfold and they change from day to day. Um, it's mm-hmm. you. You need to simultaneously be listening and analyzing what's going on, while at the same time being a critic of as timelines, uh, the you know death tolls, all of this stuff. We you know we are always in this const- constant fluctuation of you know doing victories and failures, and the opening up of certain states could be you know could could you know, exacerbate this problem or it could do nothing or, you know, the the tighter restrictions in California or Michigan could be working or they could not. So there's a lot of different things that you have to look at and scrutinize. And I think that that also comes into play when you're thinking about credible sources, because what is a credible source when we don't know exactly how this is going to play out? Well, that's right. And I just, I guess I have to say just personally, I feel like I'm constantly being manipulated by numerous sides to be afraid of one thing or another. You know, it's, it's afraid of not opening up, afraid of walking outside without my mask or whatever it is. Now I'm okay because I'm a grown up and I can be like, well, you know, this is, this feels like manipulation, but I do, I do feel like in this case, um, yeah, there's just like fear has become such a massive tool for getting your agenda across that. And I get it. If I'm a pandemic scientist, I'm going to be like, I really need people just to stay home. So I have to message this in a way that really like scares people from going out. Like, even if it's not that accurate, I need to scare them. Um, I see people driving around with their masks on. I do not understand that. Why would you drive around in your own car with your mask on? I think it's. I, I think it's more so. The, I think it's more so the idea that they just forgot it was on. No, it is not, Waylon. Come on, it is not. There's like I've I've, people- I've accidentally had it on when I was when I was driving. And I, I don't think mine. that's it. I'm sorry. I don't. Yes, I believe that can happen upon occasion, especially to someone like you. I think there's a lot of people who are driving with their masks on. I don't know what that's a signal of. Well, it could be virtue signaling. I mean, oh. it's you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, and that can kind of rub me the wrong way because that's kind of her thing a little bit. Um, you know, I like to like to be able to think. I don't want to be. I don't certainly want to be contrarian either. Like I don't need to be go in the other direction. Um, I guess I just feel like there's just massive manipulation going on. Uh, and by the way, not like I'm not trying to say on behalf of one side or the other. Um, on a separate note, Wayland, what do you think about? And I know this gets a, us a little bit off this reading, but I think it's important. Do you think that you talked about states reopening? Do you think that this is an example of where the federal government should be stepping in and be like, Georgia, you can't open up yet, please? We're going we're gonna to say May 18th or something like that for all states because this is too confusing. It's going to be too hard to kind of corral. Where are you at with federal power saying that to the yeah. states? Um, it's, it's an interesting question, and, and that's something that there, there needs to be – I would say that there would need to be 
dialogues had with all of the governors, uh, uh, constant communication with all of the governors, and ultimately each state decides when allowing the states to decide when the when those appropriate times were but working in coalitions so Mm -hmm. there's there uh, you know if you there's certain kind of coalitions being formed new england for instance uh so the governors are working together to formulate plans and everything that that area might look entirely different than the midwest or california or the south so I'm not saying with, with with the really distinct difference that you can drive from one area to another, right? It's not like there's no national there's no national boundary between New England and the Mid Atlantic, and so yeah, but, that is a real problem because I get what you're saying. Like it's not a bad idea that the regions should try to figure this out, but if people can just drive up to from Georgia to Massachusetts, you're like, oh, well, that just just really doesn't really work that well. It's hard to even understand what's tracking that or how to follow that. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, there's there's certain pockets of, of what's going on, and and I think that what the the federal government needs to be strengthening is their uh, the, their distribution networks and really taking control over um, stockpiles and resources and things like that, and, and and really be the leader on on that. If you the 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 podcasts that I listen to and the articles that I've read are just you know, there it's literally it will be uh, Kansas uh, calling up a distributor and oh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, Ohio got got to us first. So yeah. it's a, it's a first come first serve. Everybody's kind of competing for all these resources on a state level, and that should not be the case. It should be that mm-hmm. the federal government has some sort of is taking control of that system, looking at where that distribution should be. And and really taking the lead on that, which we haven't seen when it well, comes we, when it comes right, to those restrictions. I think that that is that that is left up to the states with the communication thereof with the with the governors in in a real plan. And if everything devolves, that's where the government can step in. But I, I think that you want to have the handling, and hopefully they're all on the same page. You know, hopefully we know that they're not. I mean, just to be clear, they're just not. So I get your point. Here's, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about federal requisitioning of supplies or like regulating it or whatever. And that makes a lot of sense on one level. But of course, politics can then get played, which they've played all the time. Air Force bases are shut down in this state and opened up in other states. And so it could be it can get pretty ugly if you leave it up to the federal government. I actually thought that the states deciding when they go into lockdown makes way more sense than when letting them decide when they come out of lockdown, you know, because you know conceivably COVID would hit Utah two weeks or a week after it's really going to hit California. So to me, that made sense. But like once it's in the country, I feel like it makes more sense for the federal government to be like, we're going to stamp it out across the nation because we don't have national boundaries between the states you can literally, although I'll tell you, we're driving down to Rhode Island on Saturday, and I'll be curious if they stop us at the state line, because they have been stopping people, as you pointed out. I mean, they can't turn you away, but they've been stopping people. And um, I just think uh, in this case, federalism makes sense because of the, of just people crossing state lines if they get sick again, and an outbreak happens in Georgia. Because listen, Waylon, think about it this way. I don't want to be argumentative with you. I'm just offering a, a counterpoint here. Like, what if a really bad outbreak happened in Atlanta or, or Georgia somewhere? 
people would leave the state. That's what we've seen. You know how many different license plates I have in my neighborhood? California, Washington State, New York, you know. And so this is, you see how that could be problematic and, and perhaps why the federal government could say, listen, no one's going to reopen until May 18th because we got to make sure this is out of the country. Oh, yeah, no, it, it makes sense. I, I think that the other thing that we're missing, which is a huge significant component of this, is by undertaking that on the federal level, the federal government is therefore the one to blame. And we're in a political season where we're we're months away from a from a vital election, and mm-hmm. uh, the president does not want the uh, responsibility of making that decision. And right. uh, the people he's going to isolate it's it's a it's a lose lose situation. You either lose with the people who think that you're that you're not opening soon enough, and you're going to lose mm-hmm. with the people that don't that don't think that you're or you're opening too soon. So. I, I think that from a federal standpoint and pro- from, a, unfortunately, a political standpoint, that's why we're seeing uh, kind of a lackadaisical um, effort by the, the federal government, because right. the heat is on the governors right now. Yeah, yeah. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I do think that's a failure of democracy during times of crisis is like everyone's running away from the decision. Basically, there's this big move that no one really wants to make a decision. Now, I would say that there are a lot of governors whose fortunes have risen during this. Like, because that's the other thing is that when you're important, then you have more power. And obviously in New York, we've seen that. I think Charlie Baker's um, probably his power has gained during this. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, yeah. that I think that he's been perceived as doing a good job. And yeah, being- so there's yeah, there's opportunities. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. And obviously no one's heard from Joe Biden in two months. I mean, he's. I mean, has any has he said anything? Well, I yeah, no, actually, really? I, well, I listened okay. to the Daily today, and they actually it was actually okay. on Joe Biden and and how this political landscape, the, the campaigns have been um, dealing with all of this, and what he has been doing is targeted local television news interviews in key swing states. So right. well, this, zooming this is, in, this is the worst kind of thing that you're talking about. No, it's not. Why was that? Why do you think so? Is, That's actually. I would say the playing. viewership of the local news is up is up more so than ever because of people staying well, at home Waylon, during hold, COVID. Hold on, pal. Hold on, pal. Yeah. I'm not talking about. I'm not saying it's not effective. I'm saying it's playing politics to the nth degree. To be identifying congressional districts that are swings in, in swing states is. It's, it's cynical. It's not really being a leader. It's just mm. campaigning. Yeah. Why? I, I, don't, I don't understand because what you're saying. The so you're, you're be, supposed to sit, so you're supposed to not campaign at all? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, I think that, listen, you're campaigning to be, and we don't really do politics on this show, so we can just take this a little bit down the road. But if you're campaigning to be president of the United States, listen, I understand why Joe Biden isn't very visible right now on the national level, because it's like you would say a lose-lose situation. There's not much that you're going to gain from going and saying anything right now on a national level. Um, but, you know, are we, that's like people like Biden who are have political calculus. I mean, I get it. You know, I get it. You know, there's, there's, a, there's more to be lost than gained by saying anything. Uh, but, you, you know, yeah, by playing politics and swing districts and getting on local news, yeah, it's a good strategy. You know, but it doesn't equate to leadership necessarily. You have two people who are negating actual what actual leadership looks like to try to stay alive. And I get it because if you can't get elected, you can't be a leader. 
Um, but again, might be one of the failings of the democratic system, democracy during a time of crisis. Like this is the problem is that that's what that's how appeasement happened of Hitler, right? Is that the British public did not want to want to check Hitler because they didn't want to go back to war. So Chamberlain went and he was like, okay, you can take the Sudetenland and whatever you want. And then, you you know, Hitler goes unchecked because there's a democracy back at home that, but you can't always respond to that when there's times of crisis. Sometimes you have to be like, well, I know this is going to be unpopular folks, but this is the right thing to do. And, you know, maybe I don't have a career after this. Maybe I do. Let's keep my fingers crossed. So, you know? well, so what is the right thing? I'm, I'm confused as the right thing to do in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, I get what, it. What, I get it. But what is the right thing to do in that situation? Well, I think I don't know for sure, Waylon, but conceivably you could say the right thing to do uh, is for the president perhaps to exert federal power and say, listen, Georgia, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to wait a couple more weeks. We need to understand this a little better before we start opening things up again. And we do need to kind of move in some kind of unison just to understand this. Could you please or not, could you please, but you're going to give us a couple more weeks. And then we hear that you want to open up. We get it. We're going to be as responsive as we can. Give us two more weeks to, to like come online as a nation. Not because that's really what it's about. It's really a difference about two or three weeks. So that's, that would be unpopular, but I, I think, I think that might be the right thing to do. Well, I think that that would be unpopular in, in Georgia. I, I think that it's, it's the, I think that that's the general consensus. For which I, right. which I also subscribe, I think that there should be a unit, uh, unilateral decision making um, that is incorporating all, all, all those. All everybody should be making the the same choice on on that level, but it also should be made on the state level unilaterally. If that makes sense. Well. How do you do that? Just all the states get together and make a decision together? Well, we, we're seeing the, the, the ways if they don't. <laughs> if they don't do that, we'll see if yeah. it, and there's going to be, it's, it's either going to be, this is an experiment, I guess, you know? Yeah. They're either going to, well, it's either going to ramp up there and people are going to be like, told you so, or they're, or they're going to be like, nothing happened. And we're like, oh, okay, so maybe we can tweak our, our decision making because of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. It's complicated. And I think that Trump, if he was in the conversation, could say, well, I just don't believe we should be uh, shut down for two or three more weeks. I actually think that's a bad decision for the economy. So I'm going to force Massachusetts to open up right now. Well, you know, so, like that's yeah. the other side. And I mean, let me just say one more thing, Waylon, is that it does that his base is in the states that want to open up. So yes, like, that's it what would I was be very, say. very hard for him to, to go to his so, base yeah. and say we're going to do what Massachusetts wants. And they're going to be like, huh? So the underlying philosophy here is that the states that are opening up are not the states that are saying we should stay closed. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. like there is still democracy in function in these other places. And that level of autonomy is working on that state level. They just, in my opinion, are making a terrible decision. But mm -hmm. it's their right to make that terrible decision when it comes well, it's to their it. right. It's it's their right until the federal power exerts itself, and then it's no longer their right. Yeah. I mean, federal power can exert itself and do all kinds of things, go both good and bad, and force the states to do stuff or not do stuff. So, I uh, but I understand what you're saying. Now, speaking of democracy, no democracy exists on the show because I control you. Although clearly, I don't. 
this whole hypnosis thing doesn't really work. I think you're only hypnotized when you see the gold light, but I'm going to ask you to cue the music, cue the exit music. And then like, you're such a willful person that as soon as the gold light is gone, you're like, ah, screw Cody, I'm going to see whatever I want. <laughs> He's an idiot. All right. Well, you know, I don't really know. I, I just don't know. I came in the conversation not knowing and I'd leave not knowing and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not knowing. In fact, I'm more than okay with it because this thing is so wildly complex that I feel like knowing would make me uncomfortable because there would be something about it that I just could not trust. So uh, anything I say is in light of just having a conversation. Like that's all, yeah. just a conversation. So we really appreciate that you've been with the Free Associates. Now, Waylon, when do you get to pick up your Screaming Yellow van? Ah, it's going to be sometime next week, late next week. Is that is that right? Late next week. Why does it take said. so long? Um, I don't know, but I got two vans. If I if I didn't have two, I would be like, yeah, I got like, come on, like, let's hurry up. But You'll all good, very all nice good things week, take time. Very nice week with Vanessa. I really want you to treat Vanessa really well on this week. This is your goodbye week, okay? <laughs> this is your goodbye week. You'll be dropping off Vanessa next weekend at my house, and she'll be taken very good care of. The kids will love her. Retire over to a farm, farm That's upstate it. New York. Old man Cody's, old man Cody's farm over in Florence. Well, folks, you've been listening to The Free Associates. If you're on WMUAM, we'd love to have you listen to us. If you're on Facebook Live, then you're seeing us in the flesh. And we just want to remind you to stay cool and stay calm. Don't be stupid. Be smart. (laughs) And just have a good day. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.